Hi everyone, this is Van Cochran, Vineyard Church Northwest. The message today is really uh, focused on a response to the crisis we're facing with the coronavirus, and specifically, how should believers respond to this? How can we walk out of fear into faith and trusting God and courage so that we can give our, our community and city and, and nation what it needs? as we represent Christ here. Good morning, everyone. And uh, good morning to everyone that's uh, joining us on Facebook Live or on our live feed on the website. Uh, last week, we started a series called Supernatural. And I can't help but think that uh, that was providential because, you know, what a, what a great series to be in when we're talking about the, the crisis that our nation is facing today with the coronavirus. But regarding supernatural, I think it's really important that we understand that when we use that term, we're talking about possibly different things because for some people, they think of supernatural and they might think of magic or, or, or something like that. When we use the term supernatural, what we're acknowledging is that there is an unseen realm, and that the unseen realm is every bit as real as this material realm that we live in. And it's the unseen realm where God dwells, where the angelic beings dwell, and where so much that influences life on this planet happens. And what we call supernatural is when the unseen realm breaks into the material realm or into the seen realm. And so we say this is the natural realm. When the unseen realm breaks in, we say, well, that's not natural. That's supernatural. That's beyond the natural, above the natural. And we need to recognize that as followers of Christ, everything about our lives should be supernatural. It should be, uh, be beyond the natural. So we look around today, and, and you see a lot of places uh, fear. And you, you could even say, you know, in some respects, panic. And as we look at that, we, we just need to recognize that, it's first of all, it's unnecessary in the natural sense because we have faced far greater threats and far greater uh, crises than this crisis with the coronavirus. But for the believer, we, we need to recognize that we have access to supernatural resources and we have access to supernatural power in our lives so that we don't have to respond the same way that you would see people who, who don't know Jesus respond. Now, throughout history, it's been crises like this that has drawn a stark contrast uh, between the believer and the non-believer. In fact, in, in uh, the second century, in 165 AD, there was a, a plague that uh, ravaged the Roman Empire. Uh, the, the emperor himself, Marcus Aurelius, actually died from this plague. It lasted 15 years. And during that time, at least at one point in that time, the, the well-known physician Galen fled the city to avoid the plague, whereas at the same time, Christians were coming into the city to take care of the sick. A hundred years later, another plague, 251 AD, um, ravaged the Roman Empire. And it, we need to ask ourselves, how did the Christians handle that? I mean, what did they do? How did they, it, they, they did it with peace. They did it with courage. 
They faced it and they said, God's put us here for a purpose. We're in this for a reason and we need to live up to our purpose in this season, in this time. One place in the Bible it says, who knows, perhaps God raised you up for such a time as this. And and as believers in Christ, because we are tied into the unseen realm, and we have access to supernatural peace, to supernatural power, to supernatural viewpoints on things, we live for this time. We are called to this moment to rise up and to represent Jesus to the world around us. Now, There was an author who wrote a book called The Rise of Christianity, and he traced Christianity through the first thousand years or so, and he said it was the plagues and the difference between the way followers of Christ responded to the plagues and paganism, which ruled Europe at the time, that actually caused the rise of Christianity. When people saw that Christians could respond to it with confidence and peace, but the, the pagan culture had no answers. They, they, there was no peace there, and there were no answers for what was happening. Actually, this author says that that was the, the downfall of paganism, and that was when paganism crumbled and the Christian faith began to rise up. So there's a, a very real sense in which our world needs us right now to, to walk in peace and to walk in confidence and to walk in joy. In fact, there's a verse, Psalm 37 Psalm 37 uh, verses 4 and 5 says this. It says, I prayed to the Lord and he answered me. He, he delivered me from all my fears. Those who look to him for help will be radiant with joy. So he says, I looked to the Lord. I called upon the Lord. He answered. He delivered me from my fears. But then he says that the ones that are delivered have radiant faces. Now, What we have to recognize is that when we talk about peace and overcoming fear, we're not talking about stuffing fear. We're not talking about controlling fear, somehow finding some way to manage our fears and our anxieties so they don't wreck our lives. We're talking about the peace of God, which is the shalom of God. In the Old Testament, that word shalom means well-being. It means just this overall sense of well-being. Everything's okay. So that in the midst of chaos and pain and heartache, and tragedy, and plague, or whatever else is out there, the Christian, because we're tied into the soup, to the uh, unseen realm, and we have supernatural power, the Christian can walk in peace. In this sense, everything's okay, because I know God. Everything's okay, because God's put me here for a purpose, for a reason, and I can represent him right now to the people around me. And when we say, when he says radiant and joy, we're not talking about like a fake joy. We're not talking about someone walking around with a a smile plastered on their face all the time saying hallelujah. What we're talking about is someone who has peace. Someone who walks with peace and finds it very easy to smile and laugh at the right times. Okay, so to be that kind of people that, uh, yeah, that's, that's pretty, you know, this, 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 is, this is, uh, seems serious. Well, you know, I have peace because I know Jesus and I know I am where he wants me to be and I'm going to be doing what he wants me to do. And from that basis of peace, then joy can radiate from me. And so the, the, the world really desperately needs to see that right now. And we need to recognize that Christians are by nature, a people who can live through crises with peace. That's just who we are. It's not that we are 
better than other people. It's just we're better equipped. It's just we're better equipped because we have Jesus in us and we have the Word of God and, and we have the Holy Spirit in us to give us peace. Now, in the Old Testament, there was a place where Moses and the nation of Israel, he was leading them at the time, and, and God said, okay, on this next leg of the journey, I'm going to send my angel to be with you. And Moses said, what? He said, no, we don't, we don't want an angel to go. We want your presence to be with us. We want your presence on us. And if your presence is not on us, Moses basically said this, then count me out. He said, because otherwise, how are the nations of the world going to know we're different if your presence is not resting on us? And so we, we as this people who are tied into the unseen realm of God's life and, and we live supernatural lives, we are people of the presence of God. And, and again, that doesn't mean that we, uh, that, that we have to put on an act or anything like that. It's just, it just needs to be who we are. And so my call this morning would be to believers, even if you just accepted Christ a few moments ago when Will, uh, when Will led you in that prayer, then you're part of this too. You, you, you've entered the supernatural realm. A supernatural change has taken place in your life. And so I, I believe that this season and seasons like this are always a call to Christians to wake up. And it's very easy for us, I think, in our culture particularly, to go to sleep as believers. In fact, in the late 70s, Lori and I met a young woman from Russia, the Soviet Union. Her father had been a major dissident in the Soviet Union and had been spent time in the gulags. And the pres President Carter at that time traded a well-known spy that we had captured for her father and her family. She told us that when she was a teenager, they would go out and worship in the parks and witness on the buses, and she had been arrested over and over again by the KGB. She said, they told her, when you turn 18, your 18th birthday, we're putting you in prison, because they didn't imprison people under 18. But, um, so she lived that way, and then was, came over here with her father, and I asked her this question. I said, well, this was probably the mid-80s when we met her. And I said, well, what's it like having lived there on the edge like that for those years and now coming here? And she paused for a moment, and then she said this. She said, it makes me feel sleepy as a Christian. I feel sleepy as a Christian. And a time like this is a time that says, wake up. It says, wake up. The book of Ecclesiastes, the author of Ecclesiastes was trying to help people to see things from a clearer perspective spiritually. And he made a pretty, pretty, uh, pretty uh, blunt statement. It's almost like an exaggerated statement. We call it hyperbole, exaggerated for the sake of emphasis. He said this. He said, it's better to go to a house of mourning than a house of feasting. This is Ecclesiastes 7.2. By the way, my sermon notes with all these references will be up on our website this week, as well as a message uh, from Wilson uh, talking about how to share the gospel with friends and with people that really need to find the peace of Jesus. So this afternoon, they'll be up on the website this afternoon. So he said this, it's better to go to a house of mourning than a house of feasting. And he says, now none of us would think that. I'd rather go to a party than a funeral, wouldn't you? But he says this, he says, because it makes us think about the deeper issues of life in our own mortality. 
Okay, when we hit points where we think about the deeper issues of life, that catapults us ahead in our relationship with Jesus. It's, it's a moment where we wake up and we say, wait a second, this whole Christian life is about warfare. I mean, we got to recognize that, that the, the backdrop of the New Testament is not how to have a happy and fruitful and prosperous life. Now that's all woven into it, but it's also, it's all about spiritual warfare. It's the kingdom of God confronting the darkness and pushing it back. And so the, the gospel of the kingdom, the cutting edge of that is the gospel of Jesus Christ with which Wilson shared here a few moments ago. But we are part of that. And it's conflict, it is warfare, and if we don't realize that, the enemy, I think he's pretty content to allow us to sleep. He's, he's pretty content to allow us just to be sleepy. But a time like this is a time where it should be, where we, we look at each other and say, hey, wake up, wake up. There's this exciting adventure and purpose that we have. And it goes well beyond accumulating material. It goes well beyond just, just having a nice, comfortable, happy life to actually taking it to the enemy, pushing back the darkness, and sharing the gospel of Christ with people, and releasing the love of God into situations and the power of God into situations that so desperately need it. And by the way, the coronavirus is not the only crisis we're facing, Aren't there so many other crises in our culture right now that we're facing and around the world? I mean, you realize, if, if you read any, any of the Christian publications, every time you turn, you'll see 18 Christians massacred in Nigeria, you know, 25 Christians slaughtered. It, all over the place, this is happening. In fact, there have been more Christians martyred around the world in the last 100 years than there were in the previous 1,900 years. And, and so there, it, it is a war. It's a war. And in our culture, there's cancer. There's automobile accidents. There's drug addiction. There's uh, poverty. All these other things that are there and have been there. And so when you ask, well, how do we deal with this coronavirus thing? Well, we deal with it the same way we deal with the other stuff. And, and some of us have probably have dealt with it by pushing it out of our minds. You know, saying, well, it hasn't hit my family, so I'm not worried about it. Or it, it, it really hasn't affected me so much, so I'm just going to go on my merry way. But if we recognize we're all called to the battle, we're all called to warfare, we all are, we can't sit back. And, and so what it comes down to is this. Well, in, in one place Jesus said this, talking about the kingdom. He said, from the time of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven has been forcefully advancing and forceful people lay hold of it. So the kingdom is powerful and it takes people with a determination in their hearts to say, I belong to Jesus. I'm going to do what Jesus did in the world. And I'm going to follow Jesus in this world. I'm determined. I'm going to lay hold of the kingdom and I'm just going to go wherever that leads me. I'm going to follow Jesus wherever that leads me. And so, so we say to him, Lord, I am yours. My time is yours, and I really mean it. And I'm going to mean it Tuesday night when I'm tired, and I want to do something other than what you want me to do. My money is yours, and I mean it. And I'm going to give it even when there's something else I want to buy. I'm going to give it to advance your kingdom, because that's why I'm here, is to advance your kingdom. My relationships are yours, and I mean it, Lord. I'm going to go to that person that I'm afraid to talk to, 
because we have this broken relationship and it scares, scares me half to death to think of sitting down with them and talking to them and saying, what, what's going on between us? Can we, can we communicate? I'm going to do that because you're asking me to do it. And so this is a call for us as the church, a call for us as Christians across the board of all denominations to rise up and to say, we're not going to sleep anymore, to say, we are going to be kingdom of God people. We're going to forcefully take hold of the kingdom, this powerful kingdom, and we're going to forcefully move ahead with it. And, and when we use the word force, sometimes that can have a negative connotation. But when you look at that the right way, the cutting edge of the kingdom is love. The cutting edge of the kingdom is the goodness of God. And so what we're doing is we are forcefully, we're forcefully offering the kingdom of God, the kingdom of God's love and goodness. The force comes because there's resistance. There's resistance, and the enemy pushes back on us, and he brings troubles into our lives, and he brings people to tell us, you shouldn't be doing this. Who are you to, to say that you're right and I'm wrong? But this whole idea of, uh, of situations like this, uh, Martin Luther, summed up in Martin Luther, during the bubonic plague in the 1500s, Martin Luther said this. He said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to avoid getting the plague, Okay. And I'm going to try to avoid spreading the plague to other people. And he named a few different things he was going to do. The kind of the equivalent of what we're calling social distancing today and washing your hands with um, 70% or more plus alcohol treatment or something like that. So all of that, he says, I'm going to do all of that. But he said, if my neighbor comes down with the plague, I'm going to go see him right away. I will immediately go to help him. And so there's that balance of wisdom and courage. And I, I don't think we're going to get to the point that we're going to have to be treating people with the coronavirus. I don't think that's going to happen. But what if it did? What if the bubonic plague came back and people were dropping, where people were getting sick one day and then three days later they're dead? What if that was happening? What would you want to do? Would you take your ammo and your guns and live out in the woods in a cottage or a cabin? Or, or would you move towards the problem? Move, move into the city from the safe place into the city like the Christians did in, in, in the plagues in Rome. Move towards the problem. That's what God's calling us to. And so we're, we're not a people who are going to shrink back. We're going to be wise. Of course we're going to be wise. And, and we're going we're to honor our government and, our, and, and do what's responsible for our culture. But we're not going to shrink back. And we're going to be bold. And just a couple of other things I have to share. The, um, the notion is that Christianity was distinguished from paganism because Christians understood a lot of things pagans didn't. And, and I don't, that, that's not arrogant, that's just the truth. So what are the deep, deeper issues that Christians know? Why are Christians better equipped? And the first thing is this, we know the world's broken. <laughs> we already know that, and we know why. We know why. We know the answer to that. And we know that the, the whole creation, Romans 8.18 says, creation awaits the revealing of the sons of God, and the whole creation groans. Creation itself groans under the weight of the fallenness of this planet because our original parents chose to trust God's enemy rather than to trust God. So we know the problem. We know as well that God is good and he's not the cause. He's not the problem. He's not the one. 
John 10.10 says, the thief comes to kill, steal, and destroy. I came to give them real abundant life. And so Jesus, God's not the one who, who brings about viruses like this or plagues on, on the planet. And we know this as well. We know that fear comes from the devil. Or at the very least, he manipulates fear to use it against humankind. You see in Hebrews chapter 2, it says that uh, Jesus became human so that through his death, he could take away the power of death from the devil who uses the fear of death to make us lifelong slaves. Let me read that again. Jesus became human so that through his death, he could take away the power of death from the devil who uses the fear of death to make us lifelong slaves. Ultimately, all fear is rooted in the fear of death and the fear of, 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 of accident, the fear of sickness. That's all forms of death. It's not the final moment of death, but that, that's all forms of the deterioration of the body and, and, and ultimate death. And, and so people have a natural aversion to that, which we should, and we want to avoid it, but we don't need to fear it. Because when we fear it, that gives the enemy, God's enemy, the devil, the opportunity to control us. And you see, whatever you fear, to the degree you fear it, it becomes the most important thing in your life. Or it can become the most important thing in your life. If there's something that you, like, like I'm afraid of spiders, okay? But uh, th that doesn't occupy my thinking. Um, I'm afraid of heights, but what I do is I stay away from heights, okay? I'd like to get over that, but I have not been able to in my 69 years so far. So, but it doesn't, it's not like I walk around thinking, oh my, what if I end up on top of a building? Um, it, it, but if fears that are present fears, they become the focus of our lives. And, and so whatever you're ultimately focused on, if it's destructive, is probably based in some fear you have. Fear of failure, fear of rejection, fear of ill health, fear of, it's all fear of death ultimately. It could be fear of death. And so we know that it all comes from the enemy and we know that we have the authority and the power to say no to fear through Christ. Because Jesus broke the power of fear over our lives. And actually 2 Timothy 1.7 says, God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. And so here's what happens. Fear cuts power out. Why? Well, because we're afraid to take risks. And if you look at the Gospels, power came as, as they went. Power came as they stepped, stepped out into the realm of risk. And so if I'm afraid to take risks, I'm not going to experience the, the, the power of God. If my life is driven by fear, power is going is to be real low. He says as well, power, love, Fear is self-centered. What is love? Love is focused on others. If, if I'm living in fear, then I'm living in self-protective, self-centeredness, and, and it cuts the heart out of love. And then he says, a sound mind. And what does fear do to our thinking? It causes us to panic, and, and we get confused, and we can't think right. And so he hasn't given us that. And anytime we begin to, to struggle with fear, what we need to say is, wait a second, I have, God's given me, I have not been given a spirit of fear. I've been given power, love, and a sound mind. And so fear be gone. 
I reject fear right now in Jesus' name. You can do that in your own life. You can do that over others in your family, over your home. You can pray that for people in your city because fear should not have a grip on us. Now, fourth, we know this. We know how to experience supernatural peace. Supernatural peace. Peace that goes above, above the natural. So uh, John 14, 27, Jesus said this. He said, peace I leave with you. This is the night before he died. And then he says this, my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives peace do I give to you. Do not let your heart be troubled, nor let it be fearful. So Jesus says, my peace I give to you. And so the very peace that Jesus experienced in his life and that carried through him through all the conflicts, through all the pain and through the suffering, that peace that carried him through all of that, he gives to us. And we can walk in that peace and we can live in that peace. And so it's, it's different than, not, he says, not as the world gives. Um, and and, and we, do, we, we need to know the facts because if you don't know the facts, then you're going to, um, you just wander around in confusion and confusion breeds fear. So we need to know the facts. We need to know that 80% of the people that contract this virus are not going to become violently ill. That's good. I'm glad for that. That gives me some level of peace, but my peace needs to go beyond that because what if 80% of the people that contracted this virus were going to get violently ill? Would that mean I don't have peace then? See, our peace has to go beyond that. It doesn't ignore that, but it goes beyond that, and it's supernatural. It's from Jesus, and we can walk in it because he gave it to us. And uh, someone said once that, uh, that they, they'd listened to a message here, and they went away, and they said, you know, I'm just saying, Jesus gave me this peace, and I'm not letting anyone take it away from me. And so we just need to be right there. That, that's what it means to tenaciously hold on to the kingdom, to uh, forcefully go after the kingdom, because supernatural peace trusts God with life. And so this, this supernatural peace is something our culture needs, and, and we want to pray for them to have. Now, one final point I want to make. We know supernatural power through prayer. We know that prayer releases the unseen realm into this realm. And so we have confidence in that. Ephesians 6.18 says, pray in the spirit at all times and on every occasion. Always pray in the spirit, he says. And uh, James 5.16 says about prayer, and this is right after he uses this illustration, Elijah, a prophet in the Old Testament, he prayed and the rain stopped. Three and a half years later, he prays again, and the rain comes back. And then he says, Elijah was a, a person just like us. You know, Elijah did not know he was living in Bible times. <laughs> he didn't know that. He was just living in his time. He was just like you and me, just, just trying to figure out what's next, God. Are you done with me? Should I just go back home and get married and have a family in the village or what? What do you want me to do next? He was just a guy like that. But God said to him, okay, Elijah, I'm going to give you authority to say when the rain stops and when it comes back. And so he prays, and the rain stops. Three and a half years later, he prays. He had to pray seven times, and the rain came back. That, you know why he had to pray seven times? Because it's warfare. It's not magic. If it was magic, all he'd have to do is pray once, and boom, it'd be there. It's warfare. There's, there's an unseen realm resisting the release of the goodness of God and the power of God into this world. And so persevering prayer, that's where it comes down to having a tenacious hold on the kingdom. 
and being a forceful person that says, I'm not letting go. I'm not quitting until I see this thing break. I'm not quitting until I see this prayer answered. And so, uh, so he says all of that, but then he says this. He says, uh, the earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. So this earnest prayer, again, that's talking about like the, the forceful person who lays hold of the kingdom, determined heart, and, and it, righteous. Well, you might say, well, I'm not righteous. Yes, you are, because in Christ, you have Christ's righteousness. You have Christ's righteousness. If you know Jesus, then you are righteous. You're not a sinner any longer. You have a righteous nature. Before you accepted Christ, you had a sinful nature who could occasionally do some good things. Now that you've accepted Christ, you have a righteous nature who can, has the ability to sin, but it's against your nature now to do so. And so if you know Christ, you're righteous, and you go in basis, that basis in prayer with great expectation. In the Old Testament, there was a time when a plague came on the nation of Israel, and um, you could see where the plague was progressing, and David's crying out to God to end this plague, and God says, go to the threshing floor of Aruna and make an offering. And so he goes there in obedience to God after prayer, makes an offering, and right there the plague stopped. Just stopped dead in its tracks right there. That actually became the Temple Mount and the place that uh, they, when Solomon built the first temple, they built the temple right there on that spot. In 2 Kings 19, this is a tremendous story, um, the Assyrian army, and the Assyrians for a season of time were like the most vicious army in, in the whole Middle East, the most wicked and horrible. You did not want to be, be one of their captives. And they had surrounded Jerusalem, and they were, uh, they were going to breach the walls. In fact, they sent their representative up to the walls to talk to the uh, Jewish representative. So they're having a parlay with the Jewish representative standing on the wall and uh, the other guy down on the ground. And he's talking in Hebrew because he wanted to cause the people to be afraid in, in, the, in the city. And so the, the, the representative of the king, he says, don't talk in Hebrew. But he was trying to engender fear. And so that's what the enemy tries to do. He wants to cause us to fear. But that night, you know, God, God calls out Hezekiah, the king. He calls out to God. That night, God sent an angel out, and he killed 185,000 of those enemy soldiers in one night. Now, look, if God hadn't have done that, they would have killed 100,000 people in Jerusalem. And so let's not, be, let's not get too wrapped up in God, you know, killing, take, taking care of that army. One angel, one night, 185,000. Now, I want to say this. If one angel in one night could kill 185,000 uh, warriors, fierce warriors, then can't an angel end this coronavirus outbreak? I believe he can. I believe they can. And so uh, we're going to pray right now. President Trump said that this was to be a day, a national day of prayer, and that we are to call out to God for the end of this. I want to pray, we want to pray that it ends suddenly and without explanation so everyone knows it was supernatural. It was God breaking in and ending this whole thing. So I'm going to invite Tori Fleckenstein to come to the podium and pray. Tori, lead us. Thank you. Um, I just want to remind you that in, in Hebrews it says that God's upholding all things by the word of his power. 
you know, this supernatural power that Van talked about, you know, there's a couple ways to access it. It's the spirit and the word. Um, it says that God sent his word in Psalms 107 and he healed us. Oh, right. So, so as, I, um, as I pray and confess the word over you, receive it like you would receive currency to spend in this situation. Receive God's word. Psalms 91, I, um, I want to read just a few verses. It says, uh, I, I love the Amplified, it says, No evil shall befall you. No plague shall come near you. No calamity. That God sets his angels in your defense to, de to deliver you in everything. Psalms 103, it says that we should not forget God's benefits that he, he forgives all of our iniquities, that he heals all of our diseases, and he delivers us from all of our destructions. And 1 Peter 2.24 says that um, Jesus himself bore our sins in his own body, and by his stripes we are healed. So, Father, I just take these words, these words that you have uttered out of your mouth, and I inoculate your people with the truth with the truth of your word, of who you are, that you are our healer, you are our deliverer. Your word is sufficient to sustain us right now at this point in history, in the place where we stand and we fear not. Thank you, Tori. Thank you, Tori. Jim Hunter, Jim, come on up. Jim Hunter. Yeah. Um, we were praying before the service, and um, I've had a picture from God I shared with Van. <clears throat> he said it would be good to share. I had a picture that uh, this church was a big tree with a, a strong and deep root going way down, and that today there were 500 more roots going down all around the community. And... Um, that there was multiplication so that the kingdom is multiplying today. And wherever you are uh, today, uh, I think you're going to find in the days and weeks ahead in your neighborhood or your circle of influence, people are going to start coming up to you and asking what, what to do. There's going to be an openness to the gospel like there hasn't been before. And you're going to be able to say, well, it's Jesus, and I, and I can uh, offer, uh, offer you the solution to that. So you may think you're just watching something on your computer or your phone or your TV, but supernaturally roots are going down deep roots and a tree is growing up and there's going to be fruit from that tree that goes beyond uh something even that humans can count so that was the that was the picture and then uh this is just in the light of what tori is saying about scripture to ponder and pray through listen to this word from god in uh, psalm 27 the lord is my light and my salvation <laughs> Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When evildoers assail me, <laughs> when evildoers assail me to eat up my flesh, my adversaries and foes, it is they who stumble and fall. Though an army encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. The war arise against me, yet I will be confident. And so God, we say that we are confident in you we say that even if it feels on earth as though this, uh, is, this virus is an enemy coming to attack our flesh, we say that enemy will be defeated. We will not be yes. defeated. That enemy will be defeated. And because you are our Lord, 
Because you are our salvation, our light, because you are the stronghold of our life, we say we will not be afraid. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Jim. Thanks. Yeah, you can clap. Heidi. Heidi. Heidi Clipper coming. I think we should have done a elbow bump uh, is, or something it's, in this time, but I'm this. not afraid of that. Yeah. <laughs> not afraid of the hugs yeah. and the joy oh. of the Lord. And actually, I just want to, um, I was praying earlier this morning, and the picture that I had, you talked about the angels, um, and I had a picture of angels just surrounding our city of Cincinnati and protecting us. And then the picture got bigger, and I saw angels surrounding the nation. Uh, from Ohio, protecting Ohio, and then the entire nation. And I just praise God right now, just that we, we're a nation that uh, was declaring a national day of prayer today, that we recognize the supernatural power, that there are um, medical professionals and scientists that are working on this, but our nation recognizes that it's gonna be the supernatural that's actually gonna bring the healing and um, conquer this coronavirus. So I just wanna pray boldly in Jesus' powerful name that uh, coronavirus, you be stopped right now. That you, you cannot enter our city of Cincinnati. You cannot enter Ohio any longer, um, nor our nation. And we just pray that boldly. And in 1 John 4:18, uh, Van alluded to that perfect love casts out all fear. And so I just invite the Holy Spirit right now where you are, if you're in your homes um, with your family, that you just feel His love and His presence just come over you, that it casts out all that fear, all that anxiety. And if you took that step to say yes to Jesus, as Will called you earlier, now you have this helmet of salvation that protects you. So we're just gonna secure that helmet of salvation so that what the enemy formed to kill, steal, and destroy, those thoughts are banned now. In Jesus' powerful name, we ban those. So thank you, Lord, that we have spiritual lungs that we can continue to pour out your praise and see your will be done here on earth. So thank you, Lord. I just ask right now that fear and anxiety be gone and that that sense of peace floods you and your family wherever you are. In Jesus' powerful name, amen. Amen. Thanks, Heidi. Now, Micah Turnbow, who is on staff in our house prophet. Okay, so... Um... Some of you may not know that I have uh, a gift where I can see into the spiritual realm. So I see angels and things that are going on in the spiritual realm. And as Van said, angels are very real. And Heidi uh, was also seeing them in pictures. They are very real. And in fact, uh, maybe about three days ago, I was um, sleeping and awakened by an angel that uh, came into my bedroom. Okay, and it was very powerful. Um, the glory of God was all around it, and it had just kinds of weapons I've never seen before. And what it said to me startled me, and it, it said, get up. It said, get up. You have power. We are sent. Get up. You have power, and we are sent. So they are, angels right now are at war over this, over this nation, over what's happening right now. We have help. America, you have help. 
okay? And the verse that came to me was Micah 3.8. It's one of my favorites. It says, I am equipped with power to do the works of the Lord. So I say that to you. You are filled with power to do the works of the Lord. So Father, I thank you that you have, have released the angelic host right now. You have sent warriors right now, God, to fight, to go to battle, and the victory is already here in Jesus' name. And we are rising up, getting up out of fear right now in Jesus' name. We are rising up out of fear in Jesus' name, and we're going forth in boldness and in power to do the works of the Lord. Mm-hmm. I thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Thank you, Micah. And Father, we, um, we thank you for your strength. I pray your strength on every scientist, every, every leader that is working tirelessly on this, that you would fill them with strength, keep them healthy, bless them, give them supernatural wisdom and dreams. If, if you want to bring this about through that supernatural wisdom and dreams, revelation, divine solutions. And Father, just bless them, bless them. Bring many of them to faith in Jesus through this whole thing. And Father God, uh, we look to you, we trust you. You are good. In Jesus' name, amen. Great to uh, have this time with you, and thank you for joining us. We'll let you know later this week if we're having a service next week or not, but one way or the other, we'll see you next week.